0: Welcome to Exploring Sovereignty with Elizabeth, and we're in studio today with Scott Edelstein, who is the author of two important books, Sex and the Spiritual Teacher and The User's Guide to Spiritual Teachers. He is a longtime writer and editor, and he has really taken a dive into this important topic of preventing abuse when it comes into, I mean, abuse of any kind, but when it comes into the realm of the spiritual practice. And in this upcoming show, we're going to be discussing what is the difference between a spiritual teacher and other types of spiritual leaders? Why do so many spiritual teachers, perhaps 15% of them, create big trouble? What exactly is discernment and why is it so important? And when working with a spiritual teacher, why is it so important to pay attention to your body? These are really important questions that we explore, um, which I think is going to benefit many uh, from being able to sense and feel when abuse is happening or there is an imbalance of power that is being exploited and what to do when you see that and and how to... Um, not let that perpetuate like it has in so many spiritual traditions for so many years that the time really is now for zero abuse. And um, it's my hope that, that having this conversation with Scott Edelstein will inspire our community to pay attention, uh, to speak up, and to take action when needed to bring more and more sovereignty into the spiritual realm. So stay tuned for the show that's coming up next, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did talking with Scott Edelstein. And definitely go check out his two books, Sex and the Spiritual Teacher and The User's Guide to Spiritual Teachers. This is Exploring Sovereignty with Elizabeth.
1: At some point, we've probably all felt a little stuck in a rut when it comes to our health, whether it's something physical, digestive, or emotional. This is Dr. Erica Way with Beyond Chiropractic. I'm a holistic practitioner that will take the time to help you transform so you can manifest your optimal life. Don't let unresolved issues hold you back. Come to Beyond Chiropractic in Oakdale and discover the answers your health deserves. Book an appointment today at beyondchiropractic.com.
0: At the School for Higher Consciousness, we are committed to raising the level of consciousness on the planet by educating and empowering people to grow, evolve, and live well. We are dedicated to supporting people through this critical time on the planet. Our classes provide a path that deeply connects you to your inner power and higher levels of consciousness. We inspire, teach, and empower people to develop the skills and practices needed to energetically heal, grow, and connect more fully to their life purpose. Learn more at schoolforhigherconsciousness.com, schoolforhigherconsciousness.com. Welcome to Exploring Sovereignty with Elizabeth. I'm in studio today with Scott Adelson, who is the author of the books, Sex and the Spiritual Teacher and the User's Guide to Spiritual Teachers. And he has joined us today from Minneapolis. Thank you so much, Scott. Thanks for having me. Thank you for agreeing to be here. Um, so you have been um, writing books, editing books for how many years now?
2: Oh, pretty much my whole adult life, and I'm almost 70, so we're talking 50-plus years. I started off back in high school.
0: Amazing. Uh, You always knew that that's what you wanted to do?
2: Uh, Honestly, I had to decide between um, writer, rabbi, and professional bowler.
0: Amazing. I,
2: I could not get my bowling score up above 188 as an average, and that was about 15, 20 points too low. So I had to give up on that. And then I got much more ecumenical and thought, nope, rabbis, too specific. Although, of course, since then, I've met plenty of ecumenical um, rabbis who have been um, uh, and learned about, uh, what can I say, ancient Jewish mysticism. Yeah. That would certainly fit well with uh, a lot of the mystical spiritual traditions as they're practiced today.
0: Right. Yeah. Amazing. And so then you ended up writing and editing.
2: Uh, yes. And there's always the question too, right? Of what would pay the bills. And in, in fact, the two books, um, on spiritual teachers that I've, that I've written have paid very few bills. Um, although the publisher was excited and, and did a very good job with them. It is after all a niche area. How and,
0: did, uh, yeah. Tell yeah. us how you got into that. Um, like what inspired you to write these books and, and tell us a little bit about them.
2: Sure. Well, so the, the books are really for anyone who is either working with a spiritual teacher or thinking about working with a spiritual teacher or just confused about them or, or intrigued by them. Uh, and of course, spiritual teachers cut across almost every spiritual tradition. You don't see them much in mainstream Protestantism, but anywhere else um, around the world in pretty much every other spiritual tradition, there are these people who are more than just generic spiritual leaders. Uh, They usually work closely and um, fairly intimately with people, helping them to grow up uh, and become more of themselves. That spiritual teacher's at their best. There are, of course, a lot of wayward ones as well. Um, And I was inspired in particular to write at first Sex and the Spiritual Teacher because there had been a spate of uh, scandals, mostly involving sex, but also involving a variety of boundary violations, uh, some about power, some about um, uh, finances, um, uh, with a number of prominent spiritual teachers. What eventually I learned, of course, is that's the history um, of religion, is mm. that these things get reported in waves. We're in the middle of a big wave now, but it's they're, they're ongoing. And the dynamics are the same over and over and over. And no one had written anything of significant value except for one small essay had been published in a almost unheard of uh, little anthology. And so I I did this book to try to fill the gap. And then I realized that, well, fine, I've addressed uh, uh, in some detail this whole issue of spiritual teachers who transgress sexually. But what about people who just want to know how to build the right kind of relationship with spiritual teachers? And that's how The User's Guide to Spiritual Teachers came about. Same editor, same publisher, similar covers. The, the two really go together. And and in fact, they were sold to the publisher together.
0: Amazing. So the dynamic that you talk, – talk about the, you know, yes, different traditions, but they have the same dynamic. Can you mm-hmm. – for our listeners, can you kind of unpack that a little bit?
2: Sure. And it's actually much more than one dynamic. Um, and since the, the first book was published, which was over a decade ago, uh, that first book was Sex and the Spiritual Teacher. I've come to understand a great deal more about certain kinds of what are called high conflict personalities. Hmm. And there's five key types. The person who's written most about this is a guy named Bill Eddy. Uh, he has a good book called Five Types of People Who Can Ruin Your Life. <laughs> and briefly, they, they boil down to, you know, the, the, the psychologists call them, um, uh, antisocials or sociopaths, narcissists, um, borderlines, um, and then um, uh, paranoids. And there, so there's five different types. Mm-hmm. But the, the two that specifically impact uh, spiritual teachers and spiritual quests in general are narcissists and sociopaths. Mm-hmm. And then there's the combination, which are called malignant uh, narcissists, who are both narcissists and sociopaths. So if you're either one of those, um, you're very, very interested in controlling other people, Mm -hmm. in having the spotlight on you to Mm -hmm. varying degrees. You know, the sociopaths are more into control and cruelty. The narcissists are more into constantly being in the spotlight, telling other people what to do. And the malignant narcissists are very much both. Mm -hmm. So um, there is no more appealing job. Uh, other than perhaps king, emperor, president of the United States, um, autocratic ruler. Um, other than that, the most appealing job is spiritual teacher because people will do what you say. People will give you their money. People will give you their, um, uh, their obedience and so on. So one of the things that I encountered, because as you know, right, whenever you go to pursue truth, it rarely turns out to be what you exactly what you expected. Right. And there's surprises and disappointments along the way. So one of the things that I discovered is uh, that a significant portion of spiritual teachers um, do not have healthy relationships with their students. They're they're sociopaths or narcissists. Maybe about 15% transgress in some significant way. Now there's another way that you could flip that over and say, well, 85% um, are are reasonable and legitimate and loving and caring and compassionate. But 15% is still pretty high, and that tends to actually be the number that you start to see among all the helping professions. Hmm. Um, it's usually between 10 and 15%, and that includes psychologists, um, uh, teachers, and so on. Why? Because if you're a narcissist or, or a sociopath, you want to quickly get into a job that gives you power over people, that enables people to trust you, um, and where you get to, to uh, tell people what to do. So, um so that's one of the first things that I that I encountered. In fact, in *Insects and the Spiritual Teacher*, I I did a kind of taxonomy of, of eleven different types of ways that people transgress, eleven different personality types. Um, and I, you know, I've given you two of them, but there's really a variety that go up up and down the spectrum, from yeah. uh, people who just make a misstep to people who are absolutely in it to try to build a spiritual empire and destroy the lives of everybody they touch.
0: Yeah. The this is such important work that you've brought forward and you've had the courage to bring forward um, because, I mean, just being a human on this earth, we're, we're spiritual beings. Um, at least that's one of my working beliefs. Absolutely. <laughs> and um, I, I sometimes think that any... I, you know, I've contemplated actually anyone who asks you to give your authority over to them for like spiritual as that's actually like kind of that first red flag. I mean, we can learn from people, we can be supported by people, but we our, that our spiritual journey really is to go within and sense and feel and discover and, and find out, you know. Our, our own brilliance. Um, and sure, there are pathways, but um, what, like, what, and I mean, there's been so much abuse over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, what, and there continues to be. And there continues to be. There
2: continue, And there always will be. The trick is how do you minimize it, not how do you attempt to get rid of all of it, because that will never happen. But yeah. you can, you can get rid of some of it, and you can't minimize.
0: Yeah. So what are, what are some of the, the ways to minimize that?
2: Okay. So I'm, there's some that are structural and some that are personal. Yeah. So let's start with the structural ones. I, one of the things that um, I was delighted by is at the end of the book, Sex and the Spiritual Teacher, I provide a whole bunch of specific suggestions uh, for building peer support groups and boards that, that, um, spiritual teachers can be uh, responsive to and, um, uh, have, to, have to follow the, 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 the limitations of that are presented for them. And since then, some organizations have come into being that precisely handle that. The best in one is the Association for Spiritual Integrity, ASI. And they are really working hard, again, across all spiritual and religious traditions to uh, assist spiritual teachers or spiritual leaders of all types but spiritual teachers in particular because they're the ones who have the typically have the one-on-one the closest relationships um with people Uh, so they're doing a whole variety of initiatives some of which support students some of which support the teachers so they're doing really good work an organization called spiritual directors international Hmm. is also doing excellent work and there's a third called Faith Trust Institute. They've been actually around quite some time, and um, uh, they're doing excellent work. Again, these uh, Spiritual Directors International works very specifically on the teacher end. Faith Trust works from both ends, and so there's a lot more now than that there used to be.
0: Well, well, well you and you just sorry, go ahead.
2: Well, the other side to it—that's the sort of organizational,
0: mm-hmm. thing,
2: right? working with systems and structures and norms um, and expectations and through institutions and uh, working with teachers themselves. The other side, of course, is with individuals, so that people go um, go into these encounters with spiritual teachers with their eyes open instead of shut, with fewer misconceptions, um, not expecting the spiritual teacher to solve all their problems for them, um, not um, planning to give away their personal or spiritual authority, In fact, Elizabeth, you have come up with the single biggest red flag. (laughs) If someone tells you, if someone tries to, um, someone comes to you and says, "I want to help you grow into more of who you are," that's a great sign. If someone says, "Do what I tell you," that's a terrible sign. Yeah. Um, So you can never give up your own spiritual authority because once you give that up, then you have no no way to make a judgment, no way to be discerning um and pretty much at that point you're a zombie being controlled by somebody else mm-hmm. so any good spiritual teacher would not only not ask you to give up your spiritual authority but when you try to hand it over to them they'll say back off jack i'm not doing that mm-hmm. <laughs> who, who do you think i am mm-hmm.
1: um,
2: so my books are, are largely an attempt to uh, uh help people ask the right questions see the right flags and on a one uh, individual basis uh, avoid the big picture
0: So tell us a little bit, what's the difference uh, for our listeners? What's the Mm -hmm. difference between a spiritual teacher and other types of spiritual leaders? Because I think there's a nuance there, and I heard you reference.
2: Yeah. Well, there is a nuance, but as soon as I tell you it, I'm going to um, pull the rug out from under my own feet. So first of all, um, the, the reason that I wrote specifically about spiritual teachers was because, you, I mean, we see scandals all the time across the board in all kinds of spiritual communities yes. and,
0: um,
2: and sects and organizations and so on. And those tend to be pretty run-of-the-mill. Um, they're, you, they're almost always terrible, but then they're almost always predictable. Um, but what often happens with a spiritual teacher is there's much more intimacy. And by, I mean, spiritual intimacy. Mm-hmm. In other words. Um, Very few people I know uh, will go to the corner church and say to the Protestant minister, well, um, let me tell you about my entire spiritual journey and all of my foibles, and they go on and on and on and on, and they say I'd like to work with you on an ongoing basis for a couple of years. Um, Many pastors would be horrified at the thought of being asked for that. But in, in almost all the other traditions, at least in some variants and flavors of those traditions, these close relationships happen. They obviously happen in uh, just regularly in Catholicism, um, in pretty much all the Eastern traditions. And, uh, of course, they happen outside of particular traditions, too. There's people like Adyashanti, uh, who, who are spiritual teachers and working closely with students, but don't fall into one particular tradition. Mm-hmm. They may have. Roots in, in various things. And then there's people who just claim spiritual authority, set themselves up as spiritual teachers, and about half of them are um, are dangerous. Uh, not all, but, but many of them. Um, so it, there's that intimacy, and as a result, that vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Because the pastor in the uh, church on the street corner says, all right, give me all your money and have sex with me, you're probably going to go, I don't think that's a good idea. Yeah. I'll see you later. Right, okay. but um, if you've developed this intimacy, the spiritual intimacy, with a spiritual teacher, and you've grown to trust them deeply, and that's the other thing is that sometimes that trust is earned, but often it's um, inappropriately handed over. Yes, because someone who's wearing a, um, a fancy robe or uh, spent time in a Tibetan monastery, or this or that, or whatever, whatever your sense of spiritual attainment might be, if they have that that bell or whistle or designation you might very willingly say tell me what to do right Um, and so so that's the distinction i made when i wrote sex and the spiritual teacher and the user's guide that said as soon as i wrote sex and the spiritual teacher i discovered a couple things one is that lots of spiritual leaders who are not teachers were reading it and using it um, and recommending it and marie fortune who founded the faith trust institute Took me to task nicely, and she said, "Ah, that's a bogus distinction." Huh. And um, she said, "It's a wonderful book, and she, you know, she uses it in in the face trust interviews training." But she said, "That's a bogus distinction; it can really apply." And I said, "Fair enough. I won't. I won't argue with that."
0: <laughs> well, I think it's an important one, and um, I think it also starts to highlight uh, why discernment. Becomes so important and so maybe you can for these last few minutes explain a little bit about that for our listeners like okay so what do i do like
2: yeah well discernment is it's a catch-all term but it refers to a lot of different things and it is the most important thing that anybody who is a serious uh student of a spiritual teacher or anyone who's seriously wanting to smell the truth needs to follow Mm -hmm. discernment isn't some easily identifiable, boxable thing. It's a combination of what you sense in your body. And the body is super important in terms of this. If your body does not sense that something is right, pay attention to it. If you're, so there's what we call, right? They're all the same, same giant organ of, of consciousness, but we think of our head, our heart and our gut. And of course they're all, they're all connected literally by the uh, vagal nerve, but, connected in so many other ways, Um, if any one of those, any one of the the body's intelligences is giving you a warning sign, pay attention to it. Mm -hmm. That's number one. That's the the key to discernment. If something doesn't look right, sound right, and feel right in all these dimensions, um, be very, very careful. That's number one. Number two is also looking at the people who uh, are studying with or working under a particular spiritual teacher, because healthy spiritual teachers tend to have a healthier community or congregation doesn't mm-hmm. mean they're perfect. Doesn't mean they don't have um uh, neuroses or mental health issues. What it means is those relationships are healthy. In the same way that if you go into the drugstore and you buy milk of magnesia and they go that'll be three seventy nine and you hand them four dollars and they give you change, that's a healthy relationship around sure. around selling
0: it's products. Very clear. Yeah, very clear. We each have it our measuring... roles, it's boundaries, right. there's an it. exchange, people leave.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't mean to suggest that these relationships are purely transactional. All I'm suggesting um, is that we can, we can observe in ourselves and we can observe or the people around us mm-hmm. in terms of what are they doing. So if they're all trying to mimic the teacher, that's a bad sign. If there's a giant oil painting of the teacher in, in, in the in the, in the meeting hall, that's a terrible sign. If you're being constantly pressured for money, that's a terrible sign. Um, if, if I mean, there's the whole long list that I give in, in each of the books. Um, so it's a combination of trusting your body, looking around and talking to the people and observing the people who are already associated with them. And then, of course, testing the teacher, asking them direct questions and seeing how they respond um, and not jumping in too quickly. That's the other thing I would say is um, taking it slow, just like you would in finding a good partner or a good therapist, uh, et cetera. You take it step by step and be prepared to step backward or even leave.
0: That's beautiful. Um, we're gonna, before we take a quick break, can you tell our listeners where they can find your books?
2: Sure, they can be ordered by any either brick and mortar store or you can get them at any online vendor. And again, they're called Sex and the Spiritual Teacher, where the user's guide to spiritual teachers.
0: Excellent. We're going to be back after this break with Exploring Sovereignty with Elizabeth and our guest, Scott Edelston. And we'll be talking more about this important topic. Elizabeth Sullivan, owner of Soma Soul Sovereignty. I teach people to transform and heal their bodies, minds, and spirits and manifest higher consciousness. My hope with Soma Soul Sovereignty is that you open up to the power to heal yourself. We believe the power to heal is within each of us, it supports us coming home to ourselves and our authenticity. The alchemy of Soma Yoga, Ayurveda, energy medicine, and multidimensional healing is a synergistic approach that supports this self healing state within and around us. It is filled with common sense and a deep understanding of the beauty for life and consciousness. It reminds us that our true divine nature is light aligned with love, and when we orientate toward it, much releases, heals, and transforms. Experience the power and freedom within and ways to support your body, mind, and spirit being unified. Soma Soul Sovereignty, awaken to your light within. For more information, visit elizabethsullivan.love or somasoulsovereignty.com. That's somasoulsovereignty.com.
1: If stress, pain, or fatigue are part of your life, then consider that your pain and tension may be indicators of what's amiss in your life, and it's time for a new perspective. At Resolve Pain Guru, we're here to help you reconnect with yourself, release tension and pain, move better and sleep better so that you can do more of what you love. You have the power to take control of your healing journey with our online six-week Change Your Pain course. Learn somatic practices to tap into the wisdom of your body, and then learn to trust your intuition. Challenge your thinking and embark on a transformative journey with Resolve Pain Guru as your guide, unlocking infinite rewards along the way. Experience the life-changing benefits of somatic practices at resolvepainguru.com. Register for our six-week pain relief starter series and start your journey to a pain-free life of joy. That's resolvepainguru.com. resolvepainguru.com.
0: This is Exploring Sovereignty with Elizabeth, and we're in studio with Scott Edelstein, who has written two very important books for our times and might say millennia. Um, they He's the author of Sex and the Spiritual Teacher and The User's Guide to Spiritual Teachers. And you've done really important work in terms of feeling into the truth of these long-time patterns where abuse has happened and continues to happen and give, uh, words, word to it and light to it and a pathway for people to get themselves free from those patterns that have harmed many for a very, very long time. And so I'm very grateful, uh, for the work you've done in this arena. Uh, yeah. And um, I know that your own, you know, some of your own beliefs are that we're already free, right? So let's talk a little bit about that and, and kind of how you land um, land there and your own background with that.
2: Well, let me start at the end and then I'll circle back to the beginning. For sure. That notion that we're all already free because that, that means a little bit of unpacking. Yep. Because, because of course, we live in two separate dimensions of, of all times. Um, there's the wholeness, and then there's the this and that, you know, the the, mm-hmm. um, the everyday stuff. And people, it's easy to make the mistake that we live only in one, and we live in both simultaneously. So when I say we're already free, that's not a platitude. All I'm suggesting is that what a spiritual teacher does is help you see what's already there. You're not. You're not um, um, building muscle in the same sense that you go in without... If you go into the gym, at first you don't have a lot of muscle, and then you do a bunch of exercises, then you have more muscle. That's not what's happening. And the spiritual teacher is not um, giving you an, uh, an accumulated set of knowledge in the same way that you would me- memorize the periodic table that you didn't know at first and then you did at the end. What a good spiritual teacher does is is help you see what's been there all along, but you weren't able to recognize, or you may have been recognized but not taken it seriously, or there so much noise based on um, your upbringing and the culture and all these other things that you weren't able to see it clearly. Um, that said, one easy way to tell that what a good spiritual teacher um, uh, does is essentially point out what you already know is... That when you listen to somebody, I mean, imagine you went to a spiritual teacher. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, we're all actually just living in a giant cow's stomach. And um, and all when you hear thunder, that's the cow chewing its cud. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, you're just going to go, uh-uh, and you're going to walk away. Because you're going to recognize something about that does not resonate with your own experience, both in the past and in the present. So the paradox of a, of a good spiritual teacher and a healthy spiritual teacher-student relationship is that the teacher is pointing out things that you already know because you're going, oh, that sounds right, that feels right, I want to hear more. Um, and maybe they're leading some kind of practice, whether it's prayer or chanting or meditation or so on. And that you also sense as being somehow right or accurate or honest or real in your body. So that's the paradox, is that um, the when you've got a, a, such a healthy relationship, in the end, they aren't teaching you anything you never encountered or didn't know. It just wasn't clear. It just wasn't, it, it wasn't, um, uh, you weren't living into it, moment after moment after moment. And then after a time, you're doing it more and more, whenever yeah. perfect. So that's what I mean when I say we're, we're already free. We're all, we already have that recognition. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't mean it in the sense that, that, I mean, freedom is one of the most um, misunderstood and most abused words, uh, particularly in this country. Um, uh, f- currently, freedom, as used in this country, is a buzzword for, yeah, if you have a white body, you can do anything you want. And if you don't have a white body, screw you. I mean that's what freedom as we and liberty have started to mean by by a certain subset of America okay obviously they don't that's not how you or I um would no that's yeah. not how I would experience um, that and freedom is not about living without limitation free freedom is obviously living in in, in
0: i think it actually space. brings a lot of responsibility like the freer you are, the more responsibility. You step into.
2: Yep. And that's part of, that's how it goes. That's part of how it works.
0: So in my case, um,
2: I I was raised by Jewish atheists. That is, people who would tell me one moment that Judaism was super important and the next that it was a bunch of Hmm. And at at the time, that was very confusing because when you're a kid, well, how can something be simultaneously important and and But... That actually wound up being helpful because I didn't have to uh, unravel too much. Yeah. Because you know, I, all I had to do was place them both on a shelf, and um, and I'm getting old. So back when um, I was starting to get serious into into these questions, it was the late 70s, and back then. So for example, now it's pretty easy to practice Jewish meditation. I went to a Jewish meditation group here for years. But back then, no, there was none. And just to be clear, Jewish meditation goes back many centuries. Mm-hmm. Um, I went and Svet in, uh, in uh, Israel. I went and meditated in the cave that Isaac Luria meditated in in the year 1500. Okay, so so this goes back a long time. But it had been pretty much excised from contemporary Judaism um, when I was young. And so I started off with uh, Zen Buddhism. And of course, once you get into any of these um, mm,
0: mm,
2: serious inquiries, you find that they all have many, many parallels. They're all pointing to the same thing. Of course, they have differences. Um, um, of course, they have uh, sometimes disagreements. So, uh, but after several years uh, in Zen Buddhism, um, I saw a whole bunch of uh, spiritual teachers stray and uh, do boundary violations with their students, particularly sexually. Mm -hmm. And it happened in my own sangha. Sangha is just a spiritual group, spiritual community, Mm
0: -hmm. and
2: in in many others. And people were not doing much that was very useful or sane about it. Mm -hmm. They were either throwing up their hands Or they were um, just mindlessly standing behind the people who were transgressing. Um, Or they would try to come down to just one very simple explanation. Like they'd say, oh, spiritual teachers are all frauds. Or uh, um, it's all about power. I mean, there are some frauds. And for some people, it's just about power. Um, And some say, well, it's because so many of them are men and men are pigs. whatever, Whatever these were. And I realized those were simplistic partly magical thinking that totally actually had a tiny bit of truth to them but not much
0: but it lets people so, when people go to that it mm-hmm. lets people off the hook from Correct. actually dealing with the actual abuse and so exactly. you exactly. know the more we don't address that the longer mm-hmm. it goes exactly. and, yeah. yeah
2: now it's true for example that probably 90 to 95 percent of the people who trains uh, spiritual teachers who transgress, particularly sexually or men. But if you go to, well, what do you expect of men? Men are pigs. We, they'll never do anything better. It's exactly what you said. Yeah. Suddenly everybody's let, let off the hook and you start blaming the victim. Well, why, why did you study under this man? Your fault.
0: You know? Which also, needs, which also needs to stop. You know, it's like, of course. yeah, of course.
2: So I realized it wasn't the simplistic Thing And and so I started unpacking it, and that's why I've got these (laughs) 11 different um, kinds of sexual come-ons from spiritual teachers, 11 different kinds of transgressions, um, et cetera, so that what you actually see is a sort of unfolding origami. Oh, sometimes it happens this way. Sometimes it happens this way. Because if you're only looking, if you study self-defense and you're only learning how to break chokeholds and somebody kneecaps you, you're not going to know what to do. Right. Person. and these things can come in from any direction um, and so of course now I'm open to any spiritual tradition that's, that's real, and serious and I have friends from a variety of spiritual traditions and um, uh, and I've worked as a writer and editor with people from a wide range of spiritual traditions outside of those traditions so, so if somebody is listening to this and going yeah I knew Judaism was bogus I would say no I'm not saying that there's plenty to do there, and if there's others who say, "Oh yeah, see, Judaism was right all along," no, I'm not saying that either. Um, I, I hear what all... you're
0: saying, and I think I think uh, it's something to highlight for our listen for the community is that it, to be discerning and and to really feel it in your you know body and your mind, your heart, your gut, and that vagus nerve to sense and feel like am is this okay am i at rest am i in a place where i'm safe to explore and expand into who i am or are there red flags are you know do i need to say something that doesn't let the abuse that i'm witnessing off the hook and and how do i do that
2: or do i need to turn around and leave or do i need to call the police right I also want to make the key distinction between comfort and safety. Yes. And this is where a lot of people get hung up. Mm-hmm. And that is safety is important and necessary. And if you feel unsafe, take a step back um, or take a step away um, or put up your guard. Or in self-defense, they'll say put up your hands in some way, shape or form, whatever right. whatever it is. Um, that's very different from comfort. Because comfort is actually, in many cases, a way to avoid the truth. Right. And many people get into the what they think of as spiritual seeking because they're really just looking for comfort. Mm. Because the, the struggle of how do I get through life, how do I deal with these questions, how do I get along with other human beings, how do I deal with things I don't understand, how do I deal with change? You don't. If you don't want to really grapple with those questions and you just want a simple answer, then you're looking for comfort and you're actually moving away from the possibility uh, of spiritual growth and opening and discernment. And then you'll be likely to put yourself in the hands of someone who does not have your best intentions at heart. Um, And so that's uh, another key thing to discern. Are you looking for comfort or are you looking for safety?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a hugely important one. And you're still actually writing about, you you have an upcoming article coming out. Um,
2: yes, in the in the Buddhist magazine called Buddha Dharma. Um, if I believe this is airing in January, is that correct? Yep. So um, at, in the that issue, the winter issue, there will be a um, a piece I'm writing forward called "What I Wish I'd Known When I Met My First Spiritual Teacher," and so it gets at some of these same things, um, like how spiritual teachers are human. We should we shouldn't expect them to be otherwise. Otherwise, how would they be able to teach us anything. How easy it is to project on them. Um, how we all have um, expectations that are bogus. Like we imagine that a spiritual teacher wouldn't—I'm going to make this up—wouldn't um, drink caffeine,
0: sure. or wouldn't drive
2: a sports car, or or whatever, or wouldn't wouldn't be a terrible dresser, right, or something right. like
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and it's an important topic of like, you know, because you've had a long history of, you know, being a longtime practitioner of Zen Buddhism, <laughs> um, in addition to uh, coming from Judaism, and and then all the work you've done with other writers and the, your own writing that you've done. And so I just think your wisdom on the subject matter as you... Um, are bringing that article forward is going to benefit many. What, uh, at, for the people listening right now, what might be a few things that, you know, you named four things in the end of segment mm-hmm. one, but what might be a few call to actions that you might give people to prevent spiritual abuse of any kind? You know, it usually doesn't just leap to sexual abuse, right? There's a mm-hmm. grooming period of the mental, emotional, physical, sexual you know, in spiritual um, phase. But what might be a call to action you would give to people if they're finding themselves in that situation?
2: Um, Well, I do want to come back to what you just said, because that is one stream where it is the kind of grooming, right, Right. step by step. But it isn't always. Um, And that I even separate uh, kind of two sets of groups between the exploiters and the errants, and there's really a third, the exceptionalists. Because after all, spiritual teachers are human, and sometimes they fall despite their best intentions. Um, the most dangerous ones are the exploiters, the narcissists, the, um, uh, what I call the false Brahmins, the people who just say, hey, I'm a spiritual teacher, the rules don't apply to me, I can do whatever I want, it's crazy wisdom, now come over here and take your clothes off. Okay? So there, there are many different variations on the theme. But the other thing that's super important is talk to other people in the group and see what they say. If they're all going, oh Guruji's just wonderful, he's perfect, or Roshi's just um, she wouldn't possibly make a mistake. Oh man, something's really wrong. Okay. Whereas if they're going, um, oh yeah, I was driving with Roshi the other day, and 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 I watched her I watched her curse at another driver. Well, that's a good that's a good sign because it means it shows that the 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 teacher is willing to be human in front of the student and the student is willing to talk about it. So, yes, um, open, clear, forthright um, communication with other people in your community. Um, and if that isn't happening, something's very wrong, clearly. Secondly, if um, if it isn't, it, um, the, the basic agreement with any spiritual teacher and student is always that The teacher has nothing to gain from the student. The teacher is there to assist in the student's opening. Mm -hmm. And if the relationship at any point turns out not to be that, it's time to leave. Because there, uh, I mean, there might be membership dues or something like that. Or there might be, okay, you're going to a meditation retreat and there's a charge to go to the meditation retreat. That's understandable, right? Um, But if for any reason, the spiritual teacher is trying to get something from the student, whether it's attention or worship or sex um, or money or whatever, you know, for them, for them specifically. That's the biggest warning sign of all, because that's not how the, how it works. Just like when you send your kid to second grade, you you expect that the, that the child will learn reading and writing and maybe a little bit of science and art and things like that, you don't expect that they will be cleaning out the teacher's car,
0: right? right?
2: You don't expect they will be combing the teacher's hair. And if the teacher starts asking them to do that, something's really wrong. So those are the other key things I would say.
0: I really am just very grateful for the work you've done so far and continue to do. And I'm looking forward to the article coming out. And it'll be January, out by the time this airs. Yes, in the January in the edition. This is Exploring Sovereignty with Elizabeth and in studio with Scott Edelstein. And, um,. I'm just very grateful for the conversation and all the support you've given to many as they explore pathways of spirituality and setting themselves free.
2: Thank
1: you so much, Elizabeth.
0: Thank you, Scott.